Last class, we went over uh, the gospel presentation part two. We went over man and sinners. So man, we all know that has broken God's law. Uh, there is none righteous, not even one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's gonna, what's, what will man do? It will, they will pay eternally for their sin, for the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we also found out that man cannot save himself. Uh, no matter how great you want to be, the standard is perfection, so we all fail. And the Bible says that he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, we cannot save ourselves. God does the saving. Then we talked about sinners, and we talked about how we must repent of all sin that dishonors God. We went over some verses there, and then we also talked about how we must believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. If we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, we believe in your, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And then the last, you always leave them with the question, will you repent and believe in Christ? Because it's just not just believing, but also believing and repenting. All right? A lot of people have Christ as Savior, and they think having Christ as Savior is enough, but he is Savior and Lord. And that's where people have the problem. They don't like the Lord part. And if they don't like the Lord part, then they're not pretty safe. All right? Lord is, I submit my life to you. You control. You say, you do. You tell me what to do, God, and I will do it. Not, I'm the Lord of my life. I live how I want to live and do what I want to do. Acts 17.30, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to all men that all everywhere should repent. Okay. Now we go to today's lesson. Today's lesson involves the gospel. Didn't change the title. What was the title? Gospel presentation, part three. The gospel conversation. There you go. Today is the gospel conversation. Oh, I had it there. I just meant gospel conversion. All right. The gospel conversation. Now, we have this truth. We have all this in our mind. Hopefully, those that are studying have this all to your T, you know, you have it gray in your mind, it's there, you have, a, you have a framework, a skeleton of how and what this will look like, okay? Now it's getting there. How do you get from the knowledge that you have here and the gospel that you have here, how do you share it? How do you give it, right? And that's the hardest part of evangelism, believe it or not. It's the getting there. Once you get there, you trust in the word of God, and you're good. All, even if you forget or you stumble, just keep on going. God, man, Christ, sinners. God, man, Christ, sinners. And go back to your verses. Go back to, and that's why we have you memorize it verb by, word by word verbatimly. Why? Because you can always fall back on your memory, on your framework when you get stuck. Now, like everything, it's, it's hard at the beginning. Okay, it's hard at the beginning. If you see people who evangelize and they're very good at it, and you seem and and they seem like they can just do it all the time, whenever, however, guess what? It's because they've been doing it for a while. It's like riding a bike. At the beginning, it's hard. All of you had issues. Maybe not Toby, but everyone else had issues. All right, you fell, you got up again. You fell, you got up again. You fell, you got up again. And then eventually, once you have it, you can never forget it. 
No matter how many years you have without riding a bike, it's just a matter of getting calibrated and you're good to go. The same thing with evangelism. The more you do it, the more you practice, the more you get good at it, and guess what? No matter what conversation comes your way, no matter what obstacle comes your way, you're going to find that transition sentence and it's going to come easy to you. But you got to practice though, okay? Like everything else, you got to practice. And today we'll be learning on how to bridge that conversation from ordinary matters to spiritual matters. Now, how many of you think that this is only for those that are gifted with evangelism? Those that are able to like transition any conversation to the gospel. How many of you think it's a gift or it's a skill that you can learn? Uh, raise your hand if it's a gift. Raise your hand if it's a skill. Raise your hand if it's both. Uh, you got confused there. It is not a gift, right? Even though the Lord has gifted some with the gift of evangelism, that those people will, like it's a, it's a God-given gift that they will use it like no one else will. And you're like, wow, those are the people that you see on YouTube, like, like, a, like a Todd Friel, like Retro Radio guy. That guy's gifted, right? He's gifted in evangelism. And, and, and the way of the master, what's his name? Ray Humphrey. He's gifted. Like, you know that they're called to that. Now, does it mean that we're not supposed to be preaching the gospel because we're not gifted? No. You can acquire this skill of transitioning from regular secular topics to the gospel. You can do it. It's, it, it's, it's an acquired skill, but like in every, everything in life, you need to what? Practice it. Perfect practice makes perfect. Not, have you heard practice makes perfect? That's a lie. Because what if you practice the wrong way? Think about it. So we're going to put on the training wheels today for launching you guys to a gospel-oriented conversation. Okay? So what do we start with? We start with a common conversation. We start with a common conversation. The last thing you want to do is you met somebody at the playground Hey, what's your name? My name is Nico. What's yours? My name is Zach. Hey, Zach, you're going to go to hell if you don't repent right now? And you go into this conversation. No, don't do that. Or your first day at work. Hey, what's your name? You're introducing yourself to everyone. Yeah, my name is Alejandro. I'm married. I have two kids. And by the way, all of you will go to hell if you don't repent and believe in Jesus Christ right now. That's not a way to start building relationships with people. All right? There's a good thing of having zeal for the Lord. And it's great, but lovingly. Or you can say, you don't think this is the other way either. Oh, my name is Alejandro. Nice to meet you guys. And I love you guys all so much. I love you so much. And I'm going to preach these, this awesome truth right now to everyone. God loves you. But he's also just, that's not even a good opportunity as well. You're just introducing yourself to your coworkers. Give it time. Give it time. God did that. Jesus did that. And we see that in the examples that we're going to go over. We are to follow as well. Let's start with a common conversation. What does a common conversation look like? A person's interest in life, family, work, education, music, hobby, pets. As you get to know them better, you will be able to relate to them better. Any person that you just meet, just a regular conversation. You guys are hopefully good at this, right? Hey, what's your name? Oh, what grade are you in? Okay, cool. What's your favorite subject in school? All right. Uh, oh, did you see the, do the, the Cowboys this weekend? Oh, yeah. Are you a Cowboy fan? No, I'm a Chiefs fan. Oh, okay, good. And then it was like, oh, I'm a Niners fan. All right. And then, oh, how many siblings you got? Oh, I got five or six. Oh, yeah, that's in my church. Everyone does that. And then it's like, okay, so uh, what, what do you like to do? What, do you, what are your hobbies? Or 
Conversation. Get to know the person. Get to know the person. See what they're wearing, right? What if, like, a, like a Chief shirts. Okay, no, you know they're going to like football, right? All right, uh, Toby has beads. Oh, hey, I, I like your hairstyle. Where'd you, where'd you, you know, where'd you see that? Where'd you like it from? I don't know. You look at people's, um, you know, stuff and things that can get you to relate to them, okay? Now, there's a couple of steps on how to have this common conversation. So the first step that you want to know of having to start with a common conversation is to learn the unbeliever's name and use it. Learn the name of the person and use it. You know how that is. When, when you have a substitute teacher that's there for the first day, and out of, out of all the kids they remember, they remember your name, and they call you by your name, you're like, oh, man, this person cares, or this person called me by my name. Or when you go to a store, and you introduce yourself, hi, my name, and then, you, oh, thank you, or a restaurant, you know, they remember your name at the end. Hey, thank you, Ruthie, have a good day. You're like, hey, out of all the names you remember, you remember mine. Those have, recognizing other people's name is important. And people like that. And people feel important when you do. So make sure that while you're pre- preaching the gospel and you're going to preach, start to preach the gospel and you're having the common conversation, make sure that you memorize their name and you, and you use it throughout the conversation. It's very important. Number two, listen carefully. Some of you, as soon as you get the attention from the person, as soon as you saw that they're giving you some sort of interest and they're talking about their life, all of a sudden you're going to get so excited so, uh, what do you like to do? Oh, I like to, by the way, God, he's perfect. He requires perfection of all of us. And it's like, no, no, you got to listen. Listen to them. Listen to them. On Friday, I, I, got, I caught myself in this, and I was like, well, as I was preparing, I, I only have a little bit of time after CrossFit, maybe like 10 minutes while I'm finishing. So I'm talking to my friends and you know, people that I talked there, and then I was like, so, hey, he started talking to me. I started talking to him. Hey, my, my always go-to this is, just helps me, and you can just take it and trust me. I'm like, hey, cool. Hey, you live around here? Oh, yeah, I live across the street. Oh, that's cool. And what church do you go to? Simple. Like, that always opens the door, like, for some reason. Oh, I don't go to church. Oh, really? Why? Oh, because my parents did Oh, that's cool. Hey, listen, I go to church, and it's, it's in North Lake Bible Church. And we meet at 1030, and, you know, if you ever want to, you know, stop by and come, you're more like, oh, thank you, thank you. Hey, by the way, I, I know that you, you don't probably think it's important, but let me ask you a question. Like, what do you think happens to you when you die? I mean, going to church is important because it teaches us these things. He's like, man, I, I never thought of that. He's like, well, what do you think? What are God's requirements for you to go to heaven? And guess what? They, they're always going to say good works. I'm like, okay, good works. I'm like, well, it's part of it, right? When good works will see and show that you are saved. But, and, then you, and they gave me the opportunity to go. But guess what? I was about, before he said, before anything, I was about to just go the gospel without listening to him. And without listening to him, I would listen. Oh, my dad was Catholic, but I, I, my, my wife is Christian. And I, and, 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 I, and I got to listen. I'm like, okay, where's this guy going? Where, that way, when I, I was listening, I was able to dictate, okay, now I can focus on this part of the gospel, not this part, because he knows all this. But you got to listen. Listen. I know your zeal, and especially starting. Oh, my goodness, especially knowing this, you're going to just want to go for it. And that's great. Listen. Listen to the person. That way you know where, which way you're going to take this gospel presentation. Okay, so after listening carefully, you, may, you maintain good eye contact. You be, be patient and resist distractions. And, you know, enter the conversation trying to understand the unbeliever, looking for the best opportunity to present whatever portion of the gospel the Lord allows you to. Then you go into asking good questions. 
You ask good questions. Which questions do you avoid? The yes and no questions. Avoid those. Ask open-ended questions which allow to draw out feelings and ideas. So, hey, what motivated you to, to choose that job? Or why is that so important to you? Why whatever they're talking to you about? Can you give me an example of that? Have them talk a little bit about what their life is, what they're going through, right? And it's easier when you have a, an established relationship, right? This is just a cold, cold turkey conversation. You never met no one, you never met them in their life, and you're starting that to, to preach the gospel. But if you have friends in school and you know they're going through certain situations, you can use that because you already know them and you can get easier and directly more to the to the to the uh, gospel presentation. If the person's unwilling to share their feelings or ideas, ask them close-ended question. Do you like your job? Oh, I hate my job. Why? And then they'll say, why did I hear your job? And then you'll be like, okay, now I can see. Is there something wrong? Like you seem a little upset today or you seem down. Yeah, you know, my, my parents are fighting and I think they're going to divorce. I'm like, what? what? I'm so sorry to hear that. What, what's going on? Yeah, you're just not getting along. And how does that make you feel? Oh, man, it feels like it's my fault. And they're like, okay, now, you know, the Bible tells us that it's actually not your fault. It's just we're all sinners, and this is a consequence of sin. And you can go in that way. And then, you know, what do you mean sinners? Yeah, you know, we were created perfect because God is perfect. And you can just slither in, all right? You become a ninja at this. Did you have a good time at school today? Or, hey, what did you think of that teacher? Or, or, or whatever. Like, let's say you had a, you had a co-op person, co-op teacher come and, and, and teach you guys and kind of weird, and then you talk to each other, hey, what did you think of that, right? Or you had the teacher in a class, and you're like, wait, what did you think of that conversation of evolution, right? What, what was that about? Do you believe that? Uh, I don't know. I, it's pretty scientific. But yeah, really, I think, you know, God is perfect, and he's, he created everything. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1, boom, and you go in there. It's just like, you're a ninja. You go in there. All right, number four, wait patiently for an answer. This is called the silent time as a teacher when you're taught. When you ask a question, silent time is okay. Just wait for their response. Give time. Now, you're not going to be awkward looking them in the eye, waiting and waiting and waiting. No, if they don't answer, then probe a little bit. Probe a little bit. So, guess what? You're here. You're building relationship with people. It's important. You want to be salt and light to the world. And guess what? People tend to like to talk about themselves. It's human nature. They do. So take that to your advantage. Take that to your advantage. And always remember, this is another key. This is not in this lesson, but it's been helpful for me. And I'm going to share it with you guys. And this is in every, everything in life. If you want to, you know, get a good relationship with your bosses or with each other or for the gospel. Hear something that you can actually agree upon that's biblical. And they're actually right about. Why? So when you come back to it, you can say, just like you said, hey, you're totally right when you said this. I agree because it goes this, this, and that. People like to know that they're right. And people like to know that you agree with them with something. And that's super, super key to relationship and to you want to win somebody to your debate, regardless, gospel, any talk to any controversial issue. Why do people tend to defend their issue so, so, so uh, vehemently? Why do they do that? Because they want to be right. And they don't want to be, feel uh, that they're not right or belittled. So when you break, break down your, 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 your barriers and say, you know what? Let's get to an agreement on something. I, I, I can agree with this part. I just can't agree with that part. Oh, so at least he can agree with some part of it. Let me open my mind to hear what he has to say. Simple stuff. 
stupid stuff, like let's say politics, right? And you're discussing with somebody about politics and you want to have a conversation with politics. Start with, oh yeah, I'm not this party, but I agree with this part of it. That's the only part I agree with. And then they're like, oh, at least they agree with some part. Then they're open to hear your part. As a teacher, I, I was always like, I'm will, I'm, I care so much that you hear about my point of view that I'm willing to concede on what I think is true to make them feel okay to open their mind to a conversation. Anyways, just take that with a grain of salt. Okay, so wait patiently for an answer. All right, now, after you start with a common conversation, now you go and move on to pose a probing statement or question, okay? You pose a statement or a question. So now the conversation went secular. This is the moment you're going to switch it from secular to spiritual. How the Cowboys talk about the football game, talk about how the game went, talk about personal life, what was going on, whatever the personal secular conversation is. Now you want to get it to a spiritual side of it. How will you do that? Again, this is the art of practicing, practicing, practicing. If it's like, yeah, my, my parents, they, they're going through a divorce, and, and it's just like, man, it's just so hard right now. I don't know why they're doing that. It's just like, and you can say, you know what? At one point in my life, I also had questions like that. Like, why, why would God allow certain things to happen? Or that the idea of why God allows bad things to happen to good people but then I realized there's really no good people. Honestly, like I looked at my life and I saw all the sin that I had before the Lord. I looked at the Ten Commandments and it was like, I lied all the time. I covet all the time. I'm jealous all the time. And, and it just took me to a place where I just knew I was a sinner. And, and then I needed a Savior. And that's when somebody preached the gospel to me. And then, and then when Christ, when I meet, when, when, when becomes my Lord and Savior, I just change. Like all of a sudden I want to obey him. I want to love him because he did that for me. And then there, you just a little testimony of what Christ did for you and what your life is after Christ, okay? Can be a start to a spiritual conversation, right? It could be helpful sometimes, your testimony. But if the opportunity to share your testimony is not there, in order to get the conversation towards the gospel, you need to direct it there, okay? Now, your testimony can be a way to direct it, but it's not the way to direct it. There's other ways to direct it. And look at, look at the Bible. Look at G Jesus was a master. He was the best silent ninja out there, right? Think about it. Look, when he's uh, in John 4, 7 through 13. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. All of, he took, probably was there sitting, hey, how you doing? How's family? How's everything? Okay, hey, I see you. You know, Hey, you mind getting me a drink? That was, he was probably conversational, probably talking to a Bob, what's going on? How you doing? And then all of a sudden he knows, I got to get this to a spiritual. Let me ask her for a drink because I know she's not expecting that at all. And that's what he did. And then guess what? That's when he evangelizes the Samaritan woman. Or what about from fishing to salvation? What about Peter? Matthew 4, 18 through 19. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, 
casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Obviously, this is the inspired word of God, and this is what Matthew wanted to us to understand. But I'm pretty sure it, it just didn't go that way. I'm pretty sure Jesus started talking. Hey, so how did the fishing go? What type of fish do you catch here in the Sea of Galilee? What, what is it? How do, you, well, how do you make a living of this? Do, are you, is, it, is it profitable? Do you have to have like a, a license? Do you go to the Romans and let them know? You know, and then they're passionate about fishes. So they're like, oh, yeah, this is this, this, that, that. Why are you interested? I'm like... Actually, I'm, I'm more interested in the passion that you have for fishing, but I want you to be fisher of men. Well, what do you mean? And then that's how he took it from secular to spiritual. He took, he knew, they knew fishing. And they knew that, he knew that they were good. And they were like, man, we're good at fishing. This is our career. But what is this whole fisher of men? Is there something else that can be more than this that I can be good at? And Jesus used that. So, Many life experiences can be viewed through the four lenses that I'm going to talk to you about right now. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Anything in life can, can be resulted and can come for those four themes. And these are the four themes that you have to be lookout and the lookout that will help you transition into the gospel. So when you're talking to an unbeliever, listen for these topics that might relate to them. Such as creation. What can somebody say? Man, look at this beautiful day. What a beautiful weather we have. Or did you hear about the cold front that's coming? Oh, this Texas weather. Or, man, look at this, look at this sunset. It's so beautiful. It's all, all the time in the, when we're here in the playground, I'll see all these kids or the parents just look at it, and the, the sunset is beautiful. And you're just like, look at that sunset, right? How can, you how can you switch that from a secular to a spiritual conversation? Who wants to take a shot? It's, it's, it's a learning zone here, guys. No, there's no, no judgment. Yes. Okay. All right, and then you can continue. It's like, hey, and, and, and do you look, yeah, the weather's great. It's, and can you, can you think of it for a second, that God is in control to the, even the most minute detail of this weather? Because some people believe that he, he's a creator that just created everything to be left on its own, but our God is actually a personal God, and he's involved in every single aspect, even of our weather. Right? And they're like, they're like, wait, what does this come from? You're like, yeah, God, he, he's, the Bible says he's a creator of everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then from there, you just go into the gospel, just continue. And, and he requires, he, and he's perfectly holy, you know. He's, he, the Bible says that you are to be holy like our Father in heaven is, is holy. And then, and guess what? He, re, he requires perfect obedience from us because he's a creator of the weather that we have. He's a creator of the sunset that we're looking at. He's a creator of everything. He's also the creator of how we are supposed to live. And he says that we, we have to be holy as he is holy. Right? You, know, you go through it. You go to it. Once you get that opportunity, you seize it, right? Then we have, that was creation the fall. Are you watching the news of what's going on in Israel? Yeah, it's super sad. All those babies dying and, you know, Hamas beheading people or all those Palestinians as refugees or whatever you want to say. How can you transition from that to the gospel? Anybody want to try? Again, this is just, this is practice. There's no wrong or right. Learn. We're here to coach you up. Yeah. Maybe mention maybe something about like wondering why things like that are 
Mm. So you'd be like, yeah, why do you think those things happen? I really have no idea. Well, the Bible says because of sin. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he's the owner of of everything. And he's also holy. And and you see, boom, Genesis 1-1, anything can go back to that. And you just go for it. It's simple. And then when you get to man, be like, and, and this is why you have these wars, because man sinned against God. And it wasn't supposed to be this way. We were supposed to be created for eternal fellowship with him, with no sin. We weren't, ex- we weren't meant to experience sadness or killings or, or people dying. But we did because of sin. And because of that sin, we're all, the wages of sin is, that de- is death. And we're all, we all fall short of the glory of God because the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. And the, and the Bible also says that we can't save ourselves. Like a lot of people think that by doing good deeds, they can save themselves and they can't. And then you go to Titus 3.5. You take it like that. What about, did you see what they were protesting about? How can you take that? Whether it's a BLM protest, whether it's a protest you agree or disagree with. People are always looking for justice. And, you know, just like people want justice and social justice, God is also a God who is just. What do you mean? Yeah, because a lot of people want God to be only love. But look, they're passionate about justice. They want justice to be made. How much more does God have to punish evil in life? Why does he even have to do that? Well, God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth, and he's the owner and creator of everything. He sustains it all. And he's perfectly holy. And he requires perfect obedience. What about... What about somebody who's going through terminal illness, right? Somebody that, a family member, or somebody going through a hard, hard illness. How, how's life? I, oh, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sad. Why? Well, my grandma, I just found out that she's, you know, she has this cancer, and it's, there's no hope. And she, that's, those are opportunities to get in there. It's like, what? well, how can you transition from that to the gospel? Yeah. Okay. That's a, you went straight up there. Okay. All right. And I was like, that's no shame right there. Okay. But if you wanted to say something less direct, because you don't want to put that thought in your mind yet, because like, man, death, like my grandma's going to die. <laughs> how can you, well, how can you, what can you say? But if that's what you go, you go where, you know, God is sovereign, even in the choices and how people are going to be evangelized. So go with it. But here we're learning, right? We're learning. So what can you, what can you say regarding sin? Because we're still in the sin category. I just said it, I said it for the other one, for the war. How can you relate it to sickness? Yeah. Yeah. But they're, gonna under, they're always with one question in their mind. What was, what was the question that somebody who has a family member that's sick, what do they go, what's in their mind? Huh? Other than that. Why? Why is this occurring? Why does it have to happen to me? Why? That's a perfect segue to talk about sin. Why? Well, because mankind sinned against God. And it wasn't supposed to be this way because God is perfect. And in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. (laughs) And he's perfectly holy. And he requires perfect obedience from us. You take it to God. God is in control. So we talked about 
Creation? Fall? What about redemption? What themes of redemption do we see in our everyday lives? The redemption of a trial? You know, you're following tr- these famous trials on, 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 the, on the news and somebody, justice was delivered. They were redeemed. Or if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, they finally won a Super Bowl after losing four straight. Finally, they were redeemed, right? Finally, to be reconciled with your dad or mom. Maybe somebody out of nowhere said, yeah, man, like out of nowhere, my dad just calls me. I haven't seen him in forever. And he, he says sorry and he's, he wants to start a relationship with me. And it's like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. That's, pre- that's awesome. That's great. How, do you, how can you take those three events to talk about redemption? To the gospel. How can you, how can you transition that conversation? Like, man, I finally got to see a, a good relationship with my parents. I'm so happy about that. How can you, how can you be a ninja and, trans, and, and take it to the gospel? Yeah. Ooh. So it would be like what? Hey, man, I'm just, I'm so glad. I, I, I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but I just got in contact with my pops, and we started talking, and it's like amazing. I don't, I've never had that before, and, I, and I'm kind of glad I, I'm starting this new relationship with him. Okay. Hey, that's a good start. You can say something like, oh, man, that's great. That's awesome that you're having a good relationship with your dad. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought of a relationship? How's your relationship with God? Or how, do you know that there's even a better relationship that you could strive for that's there for you if you wanted it? To be redeemed by God, by Christ? What does that mean? Well, it means that we're all sinners. And we all have sinned against the Lord. And why is that bad? Well, because God is he's the creator and sustainer of everything. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he's perfectly holy. And he requires perfect obedience. But we sinned. And, and, and that separated us with, from the fellowship with God. And, and we need to be redeemed. Because if not, we're all going to hell. Because the Bible says the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But guess what? Christ. Christ being God and man lived the perfect life you and me could never live. The Bible says that in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And then you go in. And then you go in Christ. And then Boom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're having this relationship with your dad. But I, I don't know about you, but I have a relationship with God, with Christ. And I, what you're feeling with, with your dad, I feel with him daily. And no matter what my parents do physically here on earth, I know I can count on my father in heaven. What does that mean? Well, let's, let's talk about it. All right. The last one is consummation. Runs through any experience of accomplishment. Any sense of anticipation that has to come to completion. What's something that people are anticipating during this time period? Yes. What what do people anticipate to do on Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Right? Instead of being, yeah, we're going to thank God that our Savior was born. No, I want to open gifts. Even amongst us. let's Let's not be so holy and so, like, pharisaical. Let's... Obviously, if that's your mind, change it to the birth of Christ. But yeah, you can use that. People are anticipating to open gifts. Oh, I'm so excited for this Christmas. I I gave Santa my Christmas list. My parents are going to get, I've always wanted an iPhone. And not a hand-me-down iPhone, a new iPhone, and I think they're going to give it to me. How can you take that 
to the gospel. Anticipation. Consummation. What do we anticipate as Christians? Yeah, the, the second coming of Christ, right? So how can you transition that anticipation of Christmas gifts or graduation? I can't wait to graduate. I'm almost there. Or I got a promotion at job and my job and I'm so excited about my promotion. How can you transition any of those to the gospel? Be creative. I mean, try, yes. There's something better than all those gifts and it's a free gift that God gives us. Okay. All right. Let's, let's, let's flesh that out. Okay. You can say, oh, man, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're, you, you feel so happy to open some gifts on, on Christmas. Or I'm glad that you, you, were, you were excited that you got that promotion or you're finally going to graduate. But there's like, do you know there's actually a, a more, um, that you can anticipate something even better than all those things? What does that mean? Oh, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, as a Christian, I'm a Christian. I believe that Christ was going to come back for his church one day. And all the pain and suffering that we're going through is going to go away. And, man, I can't wait for that to happen. Why? Because it's like, I, can't, I hate all the things that I see in the world. I hate all the wars, all the killing, all the evilness. But we have a Savior that's going to come for those that are his. And then you go into the gospel, right? So what were the themes? What were the four themes that you got to look at while you're talking to people? Creation. The fall, redemption, and consummation. All right? Now, what if none of that comes out? What are some questions that can help you? Go from the secular, what's going on, how you doing, to the spiritual. With your health weakening, are you thinking about eternity? Why is it wrong to steal or kill? Where does moral law come from? What did, what are you, why did you use Christ's name that way? When people say Jesus Christ or GD, right? That's a good opportunity to be like, yo, why, why would you do that? Why, why would you say those things, right? Or where do you get your information about God and Christ and eternity? Or this is a good one, especially if they're not Christian. They're like, how does someone get saved in your religion? If, you're, if you, a lot of Hindu people are moving to harvest or you know, if they're Muslim or whatever, you can ask them, how, do you, how, do you, how does your religion teach you to get to heaven? And that's a really good question, right? Because you're actually validating their personhood. Like, okay, this person respects me enough to, like, even ask me that, right? You're not going to go, hey, by the way, your religion is wrong, bro. You're going to hell. Like, you got to repent. Like, seriously. Like, burn. Like, skillet. Like, No. How, what do you got to do in your religion to be, to go to heaven? And then they'll tell you, and that's a good opportunity to, to come into the gospel. Now, once you have that transition, once you're able to ask the question or transition into spiritual matters, you ask them, hey, do you mind if we go, a little, if we dig deeper into this? Do you mind if I tell you what the Bible has to say about actual sin or sickness or redemption or creation and all that, right? You ask permission. And after you ask permission, you come with where, where, Matt, where William comes in. And he says, man, he, he, he told it directly, right? 
what are two questions that are good? These are two good questions that you can ask that can take it deep, straight to the gospel. The following. Are you ready? This is the one I used to use a lot because I was, I was taught this one in Evangelism Explosive. And it says, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? That's a question that anybody, like even the person that's most uninterested in the conversation, will stop and think for a second. If I die, where am I going to spend eternity? Or another question could be, hey, what do you think are God's requirements to enter heaven? Why do you ask these two questions? Once you establish the relationship, once you talk about the sickness in the family, and you talk about how we weren't supposed to experience all this, you can go through the gospel completely if you're feeling it, or you can ask, but you really want to gauge where the person's at, so you step back. So, for example, the conversation is like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm super sad. I just found out that one of my relatives are sick in the hospital, and it doesn't look good for them. You're like, oh, man, what's going on? Yeah, I think it's some sort of cancer. Like, oh, wow, how do you feel about that? I feel super sad. I just feel angry at God. I'm like, why? Why are you angry at God? Oh, because it's like, why does it have to happen to me? Why does it have to happen? That's such a good person. Why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? This is a, I'm, this is a great, like, like, if they're telling you this, you can go into the gospel easily. It's not always as easy, but you can go in there. And so you go, well, here you can, you, can, you can use sin as to get spiritual. Or you can straight up, since they've given you all this ammo, you can just go in, hey, do you mind if we, the Bible has to say, has an answer to all those questions. Do you mind if, if I can share some with you? Yeah, go ahead. And you can go in you can say, you know, what do you think the requirements are for heaven? Before you even tackle the whole why do good things happen to bad people, don't, those are all questions that are good, but not at the expense of the gospel, right? If there's an unbeliever, they don't really need to know all of that. They need to know the gospel, that even though they think that they're sad because their parents or somebody is sick, they need to know that there's a sickness that's worse than cancer, and it's sin. And that's where you take that conversation, Right? Now, you listen carefully to the answer, which will help shape your gospel presentation to emphasize elements with which you will need, which they need to be confronted. So some of the statements that you're going to hear from people. I think God will accept me because what? I'm a pretty good person. That's one of the, what do you think of your requirements are for heaven? Well, I think, you know, you got to be a good person. Gotta, yeah, I'm pretty good, right? Or man is basically good and can work his way into heaven. I, yeah, at the, end of, at the end of the life, there's going to be a scale. If you've done more good than bad, then you're in, right? Or you're going to hear, well, I actually don't believe in hell. I think God is so loving, he's not going to condemn anyone. If he's really loved, think about it, right? Or, yeah, thank you talking to me about Jesus and stuff, but I just think he was a good man, nothing more than that, especially if he's somebody from a different religion. Like, most of them will acknowledge Christ. Oh, yeah, he was a prophet. Yeah. Or even the, the Mormons or, or Jehovah Witnesses, oh, yeah, he's, he, was a good, he, was a, he was the son of man. He was a human. He was God. He was the son of God, but he was not God, right? So after these, 
you got to understand, okay, where am I going with this? If it's good works, you're going to focus a lot. You're going to be heavy on what? Part of the gospel. God, man, Christ, or sinners? Which one? Man. You got to make them see that they're evil before the Lord. Make them say, you think you're good? Well, let's, let's, let's see what Scripture has to say, right? That's a good one. What about the one that says, I, I think Christ was a good man, but he wasn't more than that. What part of the gospel are you going to emphasize? Christ, Christ right? That's why he is God and man at the same time. Colossians 2.9. You make sure you say those, that verse, all right? Especially to a Mormon or Jehovah Witness. Because the whole book of Colossians talks about the, the supremacy, the sufficiency of Christ and his deity, right? What about God loves too much to condemn anyone to hell? What part will you focus on? Which, which one? Raise your hand. Hi. I can see you. Yes. God. Yes, God, because you can say he's creator, sustainer, love, but he's also holy and just. You can go in that way, right? People like justice. People like if they were wronged for society, for, for the courts, for somebody to revenge and avenge them. People are, that's what humans want. And you just take it. How could you think God wouldn't be the same? The Bible says God's standard for entering heaven is much different. May I share what God requires? That was one for the person who thinks it's good. You have put some thoughts in your answer, but it is different from what the Bible says. May I show you what the Bible says about the issue? I heard that you said God being too loving to send someone to hell. I heard you say that, but the Bible says something different. And you missed that important fact. May I share that with, may I share with what God says about himself in the Bible? I'm sure you try to be a good person, but the Bible says you're missing something. May I share with you what that is? Okay? Those are questions that you can transition questions you can tell them once they say this, those things. Now, what if they refuse to engage? What if they refuse to engage? Listen to me and listen to me well. You are responsible for preaching the gospel. That's all you're responsible for. What in that responsibility do you have to worry about when you preach the gospel? Tell me. Whole gospel, clear gospel. You present it clearly, you present it fully, that's all you have to worry about. That's it. How do you gauge your obedience to evangelism? How do you know you are evangelism and you are obeying God and what he's told you? Do you gauge it with how many souls you win for Christ? No. You gauge it with, okay, Lord, I faithfully preached your gospel to this person. I pray that you're and in your timing, you can open their eyes so they can see their sin. And just go in and knowing that a lot of people will reject the gospel. In fact, the majority of people, when you present the gospel to them, will not respond. It's very few times where you'll get somebody that you're actually seeing in live motion, somebody being saved. That'll be a great experience. Hopefully I can live that one day. I really do. I want to. I, I haven't. I haven't. But I know that many people that I've preached the gospel to, many years down the road, I meet them, 
and they're saved. And it's a, it's a blessing to know that. I would have wanted to be there. I would have wanted to see. But you know what? God is the one that saves, and it's timing. And what does that tell about God? That he's patient for those who he's called to come to him. But what does that say about you? Don't feel and don't take it personal. It's not you. It's the gospel that they're rejecting. You just got to preach it. So what if they refuse to engage? Well, number one, you got to learn when to walk away. You got to learn when to walk away. When an unbeliever begins to mock the message, we should focus our attempts somewhere else. So, what this means is if you get a little bit of resistance, it doesn't mean like you're going to walk away. There's going to be people that are like, oh, I, really, I really feel uncomfortable talking about that with you. It means that you haven't established enough relationship with them. I'm like, okay, cool, man. Hey, look, you know what? I'm sorry if you feel uh, that, that this is too deep, but I just, I, don't, I know that I don't know you a lot, but I know that eternity is long. And I just want you to know that you're going to be judged one day, but I wanted to give you the good news. If, if, I understand if you don't want to continue the conversation, but please let me finish giving you these good news. That's fine. But if they start messing, if start messing around with you, making fun of the gospel, you actually believe that Christ was a virgin at 33? <laughs> you know that they're just by, ha- and I've had those people before. Uh, hey, man, you know, I do believe I believe for sure. He, I believe he's the son of God. But I get it. It's fine. This is just, I was trying to, you know, share a, a message of hope. And yeah, you, I wouldn't want to believe a God in the Bible who hates gays and lesbians. I'm like, okay, that's not what the Bible says. But if that's how you feel, I get it. But thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Walk away. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. Look, look what the Bible says in Matthew 10, 14 through 15. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of the house or of that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Like, you try, but they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel. And don't try to convince somebody. If, if they say comments like that, and they're willing to be as bold about it, trust me, it's not going anywhere. They already have their, 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 their uh, walls up. They're very defensive. They have whatever background they have of Christianity. You just tried to show the message of hope, the message of Christ, holiness and sin, love and judgment. But if they don't want to take it, hey, it's up to you. I'm just here trying to tell you about your eternity. If you don't want to hear about it, hey, I totally respect it. And you move on. What to do next after you, um, after the person refuses? Never argue with an unbeliever, guys. Never argue with an unbeliever. As much, as, as much zeal as you have for the Lord, don't do it. Don't do it. The gospel, if that didn't open their eyes, your logic and philosophy and great facts about intelligent design and that life begins in the womb and all of these controversial topics will not be changed. It's not going to change them. If the gospel doesn't change them, nothing will. Please understand that. Don't argue. Even if they call you a racist or a bigot, a hateful person for being a Christian, you're so racist. How can you be a Christian? You're so against the LGBTQ community. How could you? You're like, okay, look, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm actually not. God is saving us all from our sin, but 
I, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but that's not accurate. Hey, it was nice meeting you. Have a good day. La- out the door you go. Don't be trying to convince people about their sexuality that there's only one male, one female, and that's all you have. Don't do that. Don't go Matt Wash on them. They have enough of Matt Wash. Trust me. And you probably could win that argument. But are we here to win arguments? Are we here to represent Christ and his love to humanity? Because guess what? If it wasn't for Christ, we would be in the same boat that they are. We would be thinking the same things that they would. It's just Christ that doesn't allow us to do so, and it's grace. So don't think that you're better than people when they come at with you these arguments. Or because they believe in abortion. Or because they say, I don't mind. You can kill a baby right before the womb ends. Yeah, kill them. It's all, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're fetus. Those things will get you to you. But remember, you got to show Christ. You got to respond with love. Hey, I, I understand and I'm sorry that you feel that way. The Bible says something different. But hey, it was nice meeting you. Have a great day. And then pray to God and vent with your parents and vent with somebody. But don't argue with an unbeliever. And then last, continue to pray. That whatever part of the gospel you did present to the person, that the Lord can use that and can bring them to Christ. Oh, sorry. Go back. Do not argue with an unbeliever. I'm sorry. I skipped that one. Do not take an unbeliever's rejection. Personally, again, don't take it personal. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. You preach the gospel. Will you be humiliated sometimes? Probably. Will it make you feel little in front of people? Probably, if you're having this conversation in an airplane next to somebody and then the person wants to get loud on purpose, those are the, those are the consequences of being a Christian. You will be persecuted by, for my name, and it's okay. It's okay. Don't think that every time you're going to preach the gospel, you're not going to encounter any negative things. Don't think that. What does the Bible say? You will be persecuted for my name. Why do you think that we need to pray for courage when we preach the gospel? Because sometimes we're going to need it. You think when Paul was preaching the gospel, it was easy for him? You think when Peter and John were preaching the gospel after, they, after the Sanhedrin told them not to, and when they said in Acts 5, we will obey God and not man, they knew that they were going to go out there again. They were just beaten in prison for the gospel. The next day they're doing it again. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that strength. And we live in a society right now that it's, and you live in a city where, where the gospel is pretty accepted, but it might not be that way all the time. But you still have to be firm because the Bible calls us to be faithful in the midst of any situations. You will lose friends over it. You will be probably bullied in school over it. It happened to me in middle school. Oh, yeah. But you know what? If you call yourself a Christian, you preach the gospel. And you're going to lose friends, you're going to lose friends. It happens. And you have parents that can guide you through this and talk to you about the sovereignty of God. I didn't. I, it was a hard moment in middle school being bullied for your beliefs. And just thinking that, you know, not talking to anybody about it. Talk to people about it. But it's okay. But, but, and I'm not saying this like, oh, look at me. I'm saying this. I only had strength from God to do it and to continue to do it. It's not me. Trust me. I would have cowered out and not done it. But once you're, once you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit doesn't allow you. You can't. Okay, the last one, continue to pray for the unbeliever, repentance, and, and be available. Let them know that you will always be available for them. 
and for any questions they have, and they will be praying for them. Lastly, do this part. Before the person is mocking, after the person mocked you and told you and told you off or whatever, you tell them this. You warn them. Hey, I understand. We don't have to get personal. I'm sorry if you think I offended you. Just know that you will be judged based on the truth that you're rejecting. There is a God, and he is alive, and one day we will die, and we will go before him. I'm trying to give you the good news of the gospel, but... You do it. Or if they're not, if they just they listen to you the whole time and they didn't reject you, you tell them, hey, you know, I'm glad that we had this conversation. I'm going to be praying for you. But just know that you have to respond to the truth that I just gave you. On Friday when I shared the gospel with my friend in the morning, I was like, hey, man, this is, this is great that, that we had this conversation. But just know that I just gave you a big truth that you can't save yourself by your works. I just told you that only God can save you, and only if you put your faith in Christ and you repent from your sins, you have eternal life. I pray that you think about these things, because eternity is pretty long, and you will be judged. I'm here for you. I'll be praying for you. Come to my church. We can talk about this more. But you leave them with a warning. You leave them with, I got to make a decision. Any questions, comments, or concerns? So today was memorize card three. So for next class is memorize four. All right. So then remember, we won't meet next Sunday. You have two Sundays, so you memorize all of it. And to complete worksheet number four. All right. Let's pray to end this part of our, of our time together. Lord, we give you thanks, God, for being such a great and holy Lord. Holy Spirit, give us those transition sentences that we need to go from the secular to the spiritual. We know that when we preach your gospel, we're going in your strength anyways. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling in us. Thank you, God, Jesus, for your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you can give the burden to these young people here and to the leaders and myself, the burden to preach your gospel because out of obedience, we want to love you, Lord. And we want to love on those that are lost. Those are yours. Let us, let us preach the gospel to them, God, because they're yours and you want them to yourself. And you have those that you've called to yourself. Allow us to preach your gospel to whoever, whenever. And thank you for the gifts and the tools that you've given us today to do so. And you name me pray. Amen.